Welcome back to another episode of the Fantasy Baseball Buds Podcast. I am your host, Matt, joined with Richie as always. And it is our Christmas, our baseball Christmas. It is L.A. De La Cruz Day. He got the call. He is currently playing. Is that a pretty good start? Richie, come on in here and uh, let's talk and celebrate this Ellie magic. Yeah, I was waiting for you to wake up to a text. I was <laughs> sending you screenshots saying happy Ellie day and it's finally happening. Sent you some, oh my God, it's happening, it's happening, it's <laughs> happening. Uh, Michael Scott gifts from the office. Um, yeah, I'm just excited in general. We've been hyping these Reds prospects for a while. We got like, a little forecasting, but a little Andrew Abbott earlier this week too. So just waiting for CES to come up. And then I think our Christmas is complete for the Reds rebuild here. I think, I think I'm about to be a bandwagon hopper and become a Reds fan here pretty soon. Just like to see these young guys. Well, and we've talked about this over the last, you know, two months extensively. We've got the Orioles, we've got the Reds, you know, a couple of minor league systems that we really like. And, and since we focus on prospects on this podcast, you know, kind of predominantly at times, um, where we, I don't know, we get excited. I, you know, the, the favorite players on my dynasty rosters are my guys that are in the minors. Like you, there's just so much to be excited about. And, uh, yeah, it was funny. I did get your, your text today. I got texts from people that I barely speak to with Ellie screenshots. And I was like, okay, clearly people know I'm, I'm in, um, but very exciting for Ellie kind of strange though, right? Like we had talked last week. We thought maybe he gets called up on Friday against Milwaukee. They go that entire series. They lose three of four games. Call Andrew up on Monday. Pitches lights out, one hitter. And on Tuesday, they decide to bring Ellie up. I can only think this has to be Super 2 deadline um, shenanigans because those games against Milwaukee were important, and then they just decided not to bring him up. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, the only thing I can think of is the Super 2 is usually the middle or near the end of June, is it not? So we're only at June 6th, so we're pretty early on unless something changed. It's a rotating but... date, and uh, they don't know it for years. I am pretty sure the way it happens is you take basically all the service time of the players, the rookies that were in the major leagues that year, and you come up with a number. And I think because you had um, Gunner and you had Corbin Carroll, and uh, I'm sure there were a few others, right? Um, Cal Mitchell. Um, anyways, more names to be added. I think that's actually going to bring the date up closer to the start of June. We'll find out in a few years. Uh, Is it just because there's been so many prospect call-ups this year? I feel like we're getting like anywhere from three to seven every single week. Yeah, and that might... Like it's a new name. That might play into it. I, I Like you, I don't understand the rule enough. Um, I w I've tried over years. You know, the Chris Bryant days were one one season where I really tried to look into it and it's very confusing I, I don't think in your unless you're in the front office you have a decisive understanding of it um but I just I really don't understand why they wouldn't have brought him up on Friday like it is what it is he's here now so that's exciting um but let's talk a little bit about Andrew Abbott's first start you know we had both kind of wanted to watch it you were unable to because he was playing against Milwaukee um I got to watch some of the highlights Really looked like the fastball got on hitters quickly. Kind of liked that, even though it's sitting 92-93. Obviously only allowed a hit, had four walks. I'm going to chalk that up to nerves, uh, the 6Ks. What are you thinking moving forward with Andrew Abbott and um, kind of, you know, how are you feeling about him today? Yeah, I like, well, I didn't. I got to watch all the strikeouts on the recap, but I watched the post-game presser of him getting interviewed, and he pretty much confirmed what you said the first two innings. He was completely nervous. He he had all the nerves going, just like soaking it all in. And he had three out of his four walks in those first two innings. So I think we're going to get a little bit better command. I think we'll see his strikeout rate right around there, five to seven on any given start. It was a Milwaukee Brewers team that was a little bit injured. I think they were missing Willie Adamas. They didn't have Luis Arise. Um, so I'll take it with a grain of salt because he did have a one hitter. So I think we'll expect more hits, a higher whip as the season goes on. But I am definitely encouraged compared to some of the other starts we've seen. Most notably, the one that sticks out in my head is Gavin Stone and another prospect that got called up, Brian Wu, who 
they both have been absolutely demolished. So that was my fear with Andrew Abbott going up against this Brewers team, not a, let alone in his home ballpark at Great American Ballpark. So I was encouraged. Uh, I liked what I saw from him. Yeah, so uh, Brewers against left-handed pitching, worst in all of baseball. I want to say their strikeout percentage is above 30 against left-handers, which is just abysmal. Um, I thought I saw 24%, but I can't I can't speak the reference, but I saw 24%, but that still is the worst. It's bad. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, it's not good. And I think it's interesting, too, when you think about some of the success rates that we've seen. Uh, you, you have, you know, obviously Abbott's great start against Milwaukee, that's going to be on the board. Uh, you have you have Miller from Seattle who had the A's twice in his first four starts, and then you look at Wu, right? Wu goes up against the best hitting lineup in baseball in the Rangers and gets spanked around. I watched both the first and the second inning that he pitched. They just hit him really well. You know, they they had a great approach. It was hit the ball. Um, it wasn't we're going to hit home runs. It's, you know, it wasn't we're going to sit on certain pitches. It was. We're going to hit the ball where it's pitched. They did exactly that, and that's a bunch of professional hitters. Seager got him a couple times in that game. Don't love his delivery. He does one of these things within his windup where he kind of shows the ball and then re-gloves the ball and then finishes through his windup. Not Are something— you talking about Wu? Or Wu, Abbott? yep, Wu. Yeah. Um, don't like that at all, but we're going to have to kind of see where that goes. I do think he's a starter, probably back end you know, five, but— well, we'll kind of monitor the rest of the season with Abbott. Um, as I kind of talked about with Miller, Miller got the real luck of having some easy competition early and then has been hammered over the last two weeks. Uh, Abbott obviously is going to be given all the opportunity in the world. The big concern that both of us have is is just that ballpark. And I do think we're going to see some pretty nice strikeout performances. He did get six Ks against Milwaukee first start. I don't think you can really take very much from that first start, good or bad, because there's a lot of nerves and the bad lineup that Milwaukee had. But thing nonetheless it was really exciting when as you said when you talk about some of the other guys that have come up whether it's brandon fought uh brian Wu, like just haven't really performed well and we finally get a guy to come up and, and and showcase himself and um you know i think the next name that we're thinking of looking for is christian Ancranasio strand who's so far today three for three with another home run what are you thinking of strand when when's that call update coming richie yeah, before we move on, I just wanted to, one more thing on Andrew Abbott. I just pulled up his percentages of what he throws because he does throw four pitches, but he threw 83% of his pitches were either a fastball or curveball. He throws a, a slider, which is classified as a sweeper and a changeup. His changeup is actually plus, but he only threw it nine times, got two whiffs on it. Um, so I'm curious to see if he starts mixing and matching. Maybe this was a scouting report on the Brewers that they can't hit the curveball. So I'd be interested to see how that plays out. I think the same thing with Brian Wu. He's got three or four pitches, and I believe he relied heavily on his fastball and just got hit. So there are some encouraging signs from them. But as far as Christian Encarnacion Strand, I wouldn't be surprised if we see him within the next week. They promoted Matt McClain. About two, three weeks ago now, you had Andrew Abbott on Monday, Ellie De La Cruz on Tuesday. I, I, it sounds like the wave is coming here. I wouldn't be surprised if we see him by the end of the weekend, or at least that's my hope. Yeah, and I'm curious to see if, if maybe their strategy is, like, we, we've talked at length about McLean and, like, were they bringing him up to kind of just see what he is in the major leagues, and obviously he takes really well, and here he is as a starter, <clears throat> you know, and then they allow Ellie to come up. Are they doing this wave where it's like, let's get these kids a couple weeks, then let's bring up the next one, as opposed to having an entire lineup full of rookies? And if that's the case, I would expect to see CES kind of two weeks away. Um, but it's hard when he is performing the way he is in AAA, batting 350 with 14 home runs. Like He is pushing the envelope, and Joey Votto is down there, did go 0 for 4 today. Um, so just something to keep in mind, but I agree with you, I think, I think the time is now. I think the excitement level is there. You can sell tickets. You get CES, Andrew Abbott, Ellie De La Cruz, all in that ticket mer merchandise um, package where you can make money off these kids. Do they play at home this weekend? No. So they play their next home series is Colorado. I want to say the okay. 16th. That was my oh. next projected date for Ellie. Obviously, they don't care what I think. Kind of tracing yeah. back, though, to Andrew. Yeah. Um, I think maybe we didn't see the sweeper because we didn't see a heavy lefty lineup. Um, 
I, I would just have to imagine he's used a lot utilizing the sweeper more against lefties and the curve more against righties. Um, so I think we're going to need four or five starts of data to really dive into like what his pitch mix is against who. Yeah, I definitely agree. But it is encouraging that he's got more than one or two pitches and he just, he didn't, he did all this with pretty much showcasing just two pitches, which I mean, who knows what can happen? I mean, those sweeper and changeup could get hit very hard or the, they could be wipe out pitches for all we know. So I definitely agree. We need to see more data. See him. I want to see him go up against a middle of the pack team. I don't want to see him go up against uh, a hard hitting team like the Astros or the Braves right away. Cause I think he won't have the greatest outing there, but you know, like a middle of the road team I'm trying to think of who, who's like a, a good giants, the giants. Yeah. The Giants are a good one. Or the Orioles. Yeah. I think they're like maybe top 15, top 10, but they're not, you know, all sluggers in their lineup. I'd like to see something like that. It's funny. I I have these classifications for certain players, and you're not going to like this because of current standing, but um, his his call-up and his pedigree reminds me a lot of when Manoa was called up. Manoa obviously wasn't the same kind of strikeout pitcher, and we need to see this from Abbott at the big league level. Um but polished college arm that has more than two pitches that can pitch. And it's kind of up to them to determine what they make of their big league career. And that's obviously stating, right? That's every player, but you're not face, you're not coming up like a Brandon Fott who relies heavily on the strikeout and gives up a lot of home runs. Abbott does give up a lot of home runs in AAA this season, but like we haven't seen that currently six innings, one hit, no home runs. Um, I'm really curious to see if he can turn himself into something. I also think the success of this Reds lineup is going to weigh heavily on, on the actual value of Abbott. You know, it, having a CES come up soon, having Ellie De La Cruz and McLean in there, it's really going to be opportunity for him to get more wins and going to make him more valuable. And that's something that we saw from Manoa being on a good team was a lot of the time he was able to pitch with a lead. Um, obviously this season hasn't been great and we'll talk about that in a little bit, but definitely excited about Andrew Abbott. Um, what are your thoughts on Brian Wu moving forward? Do you think he gets sent back down, or do you think they give him a month to figure things out? I think he has until Marco Gonzalez comes back. And depending on how the, the Bryce Miller free fall happens, um, whoever's struggling more is probably getting sent back down to AA, if not AAA, to work on their secondaries. And that, that's I think Marco Gonzalez has a forearm strain, so he's probably out at least a minimum two or three turn so they've got a few starts I'd, I'd want to see the matchups and i want to see brian Wu go up against a lesser offense and see if he can gain some confidence uh breaking news jordan walker home run for st louis so jordan walker that is update as well back we are excited to also talk about that i mean let's just jump right into that yeah um, he's not even on a rundown wow yeah well you know thank god for mlb at bat app um i did slot him back into my categories league this week kind of out of desperation um Casey Schmidt has just kind of really cooled off and has turned into the defensive glove that we thought he was. What are you thinking about Walker moving forward? Let's talk about Walker, Ellie De La Cruz, Corbin Carroll. Um, where are you ranking these three guys rest of season? What are the three guys? Walker, Carroll, and who's a Ellie? Name? Ellie's our Ellie's our third. I Carroll won. I think mm -hmm. that's far, he, he's far proven. I think he's won like blows it out of the water. I think Ellie and Jordan Walker are neck and neck. I think they have different profiles. I think Ellie obviously brings the speed. He's the more exciting player. I comped him to Ronald Acuna a few podcasts before. If I had to say something about Jordan Walker, I don't even know who I'd comp him to because he's got a little bit of speed, but I feel like he's got the power to hit 30, 40 home runs when everything goes right. I think the whole... He's not getting the ball in the air that the Cardinals sent him back down. I think that's all a charade. I think that was all service time manipulation. He's He was down for a month and a half, essentially. Pretty much called up like when that extra service time gets brought in. So I think I'm going Ellie over Jordan Walker just for the simple fact he's got the speed and he's going to be batting cleanup where Jordan Walker is going to be batting probably 8-9 in that Cardinals lineup. Well, and the reason I ask is because I think we've really, as an industry, cooled on Jordan Walker after the after the, the demotion. 
wasn't really playing that bad before. He was a rookie, right? Like, kind of got to give him close to an 800 well, OPS. He had, he had, what, like a 15-game hit streak to start his career, and he got sent back down shortly after that. That didn't make much sense to me. Even if you're hitting the ball on the ground, if you're getting a hit every single game, you're producing. So I don't – that's why I don't believe – in whatever the Cardinals are trying to feed the media and the customer fan base. Well, I think a lot of it was kind of the, we all call it the raise issue. <clears throat> they have a loaded 40 man. They have a deep outfield. They weren't incurring the injuries at the timely fashion that they had needed them to actually have things play out properly for this roster. They had no choice but to allow Lars Nudbar and Dolan Carlson and, um, Who's the who's the other one that I'm thinking of? Burleson, Did you say Alec Burleson, Burleson Tyler O'Neill. Yeah, Tyler O'Neill. They had no choice. Brandon but to Donovan. Donovan, right? Um, I mean, the list goes on and on. And the other guy on our list, Luke and Baker. Yeah. Um, well, and and I don't think to. they also expected Nolan Gorman to kind of demand playing time, whether it be at DH or at second base. So they got caught in a roster crunch. Unlike the Brewers, they didn't incur the injuries in a timely nature where they could move things around, right? Everyone got hurt after Walker went down, and they were already like, well, we look stupid now if we don't have Walker working on something. So I guess the reason I asked you these three names is because Ellie's the hot commodity right now, has all the tools, is the total package. Jordan Walker is still in the same like comparable air as him in regards to pedigree. So... I think this is a perfect time for people to go out and buy Walker at a discount because I do think he's going to provide you value this season. I don't disagree with you. I think uh, L.A. De La Cruz is obviously going to be the total package with stolen bases. So in categories, he's definitely the better bet. But in points, Walker could be similar. So let me ask you this. Um, You've been in talks with somebody in our dynasty long-term keeper league. Would you give up L.A. De La Cruz for Jordan Walker straight up right now? In a dynasty league? In in our current, um, I guess, dyna- we call it our dynasty league, but there is a, a max cap at five years of keeping somebody. Oh, would no. Would you trade? I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't trade Ellie De La Cruz for anything. Um, I mean, the offer that was on the table this past week was Ellie De La Cruz for Juan Soto, Bryce Miller, and a third player, and I laughed that off. And then I Well, for, for context for listeners, Juan Soto is on the last year of his contract. So he'd be a rental for you. So it's not like you could keep him for the five years. Correct. Like Ellie De La Cruz and Bryce Miller's. We have our concerns with him um, and his secondaries. And I, I kid I you. I can't not. remember what you said. The th- what was I the kid third you person? not though. If Juan Soto were on a brand new deal at $4, $3, $1, I would not make that trade. Um, Interesting. I also don't believe in Juan Soto. Like I think, you know, I love the Juan Succo takes from CBS <laughs> because I, I like Juan Soto, but in fantasy terms, I've had him for four years. Um, he's hot and he's cold at times, really powerful second half, doesn't steal bases. And I know that we're a points league, but well, that adds up. It, it adds you up. You get an extra point and then mm-hmm. you get closer into uh, scoring range to get you an extra point for a run. Correct. So, Correct. I mean, I see it with Ronald Acuna. He'll get a single, then he'll steal second and third. And then he'll get in on an RBI or somebody will hit him in. So he gets four points for going across all four bases, whereas a single then turns into a run. You only get two. So it adds up over time for sure. Ellie De La Cruz struck out looking 2-2. It was a borderline borderline pitch that. from Phillips. Um, I think the only players right now that are in the same classification as Ellie, Ronald Acuna, no question. You know, if, if that were offered similar contract terms and everything, you take Ronald Acuna because he's a proven asset. It's just obvious, right? You're hoping that Ellie turns into that. Um, I think Corbin Carroll well, is another name. It, depend, it depends because if Ellie gets that third base eligibility, then you're looking at, if you're viewing them the same, I mean, outfield is short or shallow. Sure, I'm, but I'm so still taking base. Ronald Acuna. You know, if you're talking about equal dollar percentage and contracts, yeah. like I'm taking Ronald Acuna. Well, yeah, because um, he's proven. You well, to, right? and from just the telecast tonight, they've talked about how Ellie's going to be the shortstop. And it's like, okay. Oh, did they say that? I yeah, that. I mean, that that was that was something That's they were pushing. So what are they going to do, Matt McClain? Are they going to move him to second or third? Because in the minors, Matt McClain was playing short and Ellie was playing third. So that's interesting. The other thing that's interesting to me is Carlos Correa incurred back injuries, lower back issues. He's similar size. I want to say he's 6'3", 6'4", maybe 6'5". I'll have to look it up. Um, and I'm con- just concerned with Ellie being so big that that's the only comparable player that we have currently 
I mean, A-Rod was obviously fine, but A-Rod also took steroids, and A-Rod was only 6'3". So, like, what does the height differential, like, difference mean when you're bending over that much? Um, it'll just be something interesting to monitor if, if they choose to keep him at shortstop. Just, you know, something I want to keep an eye on. Uh, Carlos is 6'4". So, you know, comparable. Just an inch. And how tall is Ellie? 6'5". Okay. Um, and then you have O'Neal, who's, like, what, 6'7", 6'8". So, like, obviously it's being done by the Pirates. Uh, obviously O'Neal's yeah, but, hurt. But O'Neal Cruz's injury was, like, a freak accident. Like, sure, sure. We just don't know. have enough data yet on these tall shortstops. And, like, Correa is one of the only ones where you're like, oh, okay, like, 6'4", played shortstop for six years, had lower back pain. Makes sense, right? Right. Um, also, Correa is just a walking injury nightmare these days. Um, but let's move on. We have a couple more names on our call-ups and our current performances. Reese Olsen is our next up. Um, Detroit Tigers, five innings, two runs, two hits, one walk, six Ks in his debut. You picked him up for a double start this coming week, Richard. Tell me about I Reese did. Olsen. I do not know much about him. Yeah, he was a 2018 13th round draft pick by the Milwaukee Brewers, 23 years old. Um he sports four pitches, a fastball, curve, slider, changeup. His fastball's average, changeups above plus. What he gets dinged for is his control. Walked a lot in the minors. Had a 6.38 ERA in the minors. But his last few games before his call-up, and I'm talking slower as I try to pull them up, is before... For his call, I'll tell you he this. went five innings with 10 strikeouts, only one earned run. The one before that, five innings, two walks, nine strikeouts, no earned runs. Um, so, yeah, that's probably what prompted it. Plus, they had somebody recently get injured for the Tigers, which prompted it. I mean, the Tigers have been just been decimated with injuries. So it's kind of the next man up, and if he produces, he's going to play. And figured on a two-start week next week, I either stop him from one of the other owners in our league picking him up, and I scoured our waiver wire, and there's literally like two or three double-start streamers for next year, and Reese Olsen was by far the best one. So go ahead, Matt. Yeah, uh, just watched Jordan Walker's home run. It was uh, pretty ridiculous. Oh, yeah. 110 off the bat, 430 feet. Um, Second row in the left field. Yeah, it doesn't seem to have a hard time elevating the ball when he elevates it. So it was interesting. They were talking this week on another publication about um, Luis Robert and his hard hit ability seems to come in home run fashion. And they were kind of marveling at the fact that when he doesn't hit a home run and he doesn't have hard contact. And it's like some of these guys just have a natural approach. If they see a pitch they like, they elevate it. And I'm interested to see with Walker because what I've seen so far in his minor league tape as well as his pro tape is that he hits home runs, he hits home runs. When he doesn't hit home runs, sure, they're on the, on the ground and you'd like him to have more line drives. But that's something that should come naturally over time. So encouraging. I mean, 430, he absolutely destroyed the ball. It just showcases his power. You know, we need to see more of that from him. The Cardinals need to see more of that from him. Um, and I said second row. I meant to say second Second deck. deck. So yeah, it, was it wasn't he shot. just barely made it over, yeah. Next name we have is A.J. Smith uh, Shaver. Big time Shaver, yeah. pickup in our league a few weeks back. Um, kind of got, got you. Tanner got ahead of you on that one. Um, two and a third innings this week. Finally pitched after 10 days. No runs, no hits, one walk, three strikeouts. Uh, impressive, but not not uh, not over the moon about him. Uh, I think he him he had been comped to Strider, definitely not like Strider stuff. No, I don't um, like that. <laughs> I, I think when you brought that up, I didn't like it. But go ahead. It, you know, it's the the way they progressed him was similar to Strider, but the fastball doesn't have the same velocity on it. He's a little bit shorter. Doesn't have the same mound presence. I like his command a lot. Um, I think Shaver could be a really nice, he could be a really nice five in this Atlanta rotation. And he could be a pretty good four, but I don't think we have three to upside in this rotation long-term. What are your thoughts? Yeah, well, the funny thing is, is he's got a great fastball, but what he's known for is his curveball. And in the minors, he wasn't throwing it that much because they wanted him to develop the, I can't remember if it was a slider or the changeup, either one. He worked on just literally throwing the fastball. I'm slider. I'm just going to go with that because I'm pretty sure that's what it is. And I can't pull it up because baseball savant's going slow. I want to see. He did this two and a thirds inning in relief. 
I tried to watch some of it, but I was also doing bedtime with Kenna, so it was hard. I got to watch one of his strikeouts. I'm pretty sure it was either on a fastball, like on the corner. But him moving into the rotation is interesting because I want to see what he can do. I think he's going to stick. Definitely better than Soroka, who got sent down. Soroka got lit up in his two starts. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I want to say he gave up four runs in one and five in the other. So I think he's definitely an upgrade over Soroka. Definitely warranted that he gets the spot over him. It comes down to what happens when this brave rotation is healthy. Kyle Wright comes back, and I'm linking on everybody else, but Kyle Wright's Wright's a big one. Yeah, those are two big names right there. So I think he'll stay in the majors. I think he'll flop between the rotation and long relief. I just don't see an outcome like we saw with Spencer Strider last year where he just blows it out of the park because Spencer Strider, even though he was under the radar, he was still on yours and my radar because he by far had the best fastball in all of the minor leagues, had the best strikeout rate in all of the minor leagues by far. And he didn't really have another pitch. He's worked on his slider, Spencer Strider, that is. And that's why he's so dominant. And I just don't see A.J. smith Shaver with that one pitch that's so elite compared to the rest of the minor leagues. I just don't see him being the next Spencer Strider. No, I mean, I don't think there's any chance. You know, Strider is kind of a, a one in every five or ten year type of guy that comes up and shows you that that dominance right off the bat. I also like the pedigree that they gave for him, bring him into the bullpen, you know, get him to understand his craft, get him to understand the major league level. Um, I, I do think there's opportunity for Shaver to at least have a stretch of maybe two or three months in this rotation, though. Kyle Wright's injury is no joke. It's the second time he's had a shoulder strain this season. He's on the 60-day IL. Like, there's a chance that Wright, A, doesn't pitch well this season. There's a chance that he doesn't pitch well ever again. Um, obviously, that's less likely than more likely, but shoulder injuries, you have to understand, they're usually wasted seasons from what I've seen in the past five years. Most recently, I think about Severino. I think about Jack Flaherty. Like It's a long road back, and the Braves are going to be careful with him. Also, Bryce Elder getting hit pretty hard tonight. Does he keep that rotation spot? Do we see Elder's shine kind of wear off over the next two months where it's like, okay, this guy's a liability. We are better having Shaver, who you also have to keep in mind is going to have an innings limit. Uh, he is only 20 years old, so... Brave have a lot of questions at hand. Uh, it's a good thing that they have this, this depth right now. And I do expect in time for Soroka to figure his way back into a rotation. But I think from what I've seen so far from Soroka is he is a number five, number six swing guy the rest of his career. He just isn't the same pitcher he was pre-Achilles tears. And he wasn't that great before the Achilles tears. Um, so... I think you're going to give it to Soroka, though, because he has the pedigree and he has the ability to at least give you innings as opposed to some of these other guys like Elder and um, Shaver. Yeah, yeah. I I think you're going to see a lot of guys come in and out depending on who's hot, who's performing for sure. All right, let's move on to our last segment of the night. We're going to touch on minor league baseball as we always do. We have the players of the month for May. Some names that we really like on here and some names that we could care less about. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and start off in AAA, and then we'll kind of talk about these guys. In the International League AAA, we have Jake Cave batted 400 with a 500 on base percentage and a 798 slug. His OPS was 1,200. I mean, these are just video game numbers in all reality. Um, very, very impressive. And then we also have Evan McKendry, uh went 3-0 and with a .31 ERA, five appearances, four starts. Two names that I'm not totally familiar with. If I'm correct, Jake Cave is a former major leaguer, correct? Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. Uh, Jake Cave has spent a lot of time, 2018 to 2022, with the Minnesota Twins. Yep. He's now with the Phillies organization. He's 30 years old. So this is a journeyman type, never batted more than 265, didn't have more than 13 home runs. So I don't think there's much to see here other than he's a quad A player stuck in no man's land. Evan McKendry, he's a little bit, I mean, there's something here. I'm not too familiar with him. 2019 draft pick by the Tampa Bay Rays in the ninth round, 278 overall. He's moved up quite a bit. In 2022, he moved up from double-A to triple-A. He's now been there this whole season in 50 and two-thirds innings. 
He's got 43 strikeouts with a 3.02 ERA, so it's not great. You'd like to see the strikeout rate higher than the innings that you have pitched, but his ERA is respectable at 3.02. Definitely somebody that could come up and help out this raise that's been also decimated with injuries. You talk about Shane Baz, Jeffrey Springs, Tyler Glasnow. I mean, he's healthy now, but I expect another injury stint probably in the future. Um, who else am I missing? Drew Rasmussen's injured. So, the, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if this guy comes up and helps out at some point throughout the season. Yeah, it's, I think it's a name to keep in mind. You, we kind of talked about earlier in the show just in regards to, you know, how many players are left to come up in regards to Andrew Abbott. And it could be a guy like, McIndry, who provides a stretch of three weeks where he's startable, depending on matchups. You know, the strikeouts aren't necessarily there, but at age 25, he has the pedigree now at, you know, with a 0.31 ERA where he's probably ready for an opportunity. It's just, does he get that? I think Cave is, as you said, stuck in purgatory. Um, but how fun must it be for Cave? Like, he's just down here just destroying kids. Just <laughs> like, well, I mean, honestly, if I'm Jake Cave, though, I'm probably disappointed that i'm not in the majors anymore like that's everybody's dream you don't want to be yeah but yeah if, if you're if you're killing it i mean yeah. at least you're having fun called, if, <laughs> if, if, yeah i guess you're, yeah you are having fun but if he gets called up i mean i'm not gonna waste a waiver pick on him that's just that's just me though well and then with the next name on our list this is gonna be pacific coast league triple a this name i am interested in not a guy i'm gonna waste a waiver claim on but someone i've been monitoring um someone that i think has immense value probably 2024 2025 season i think we'll probably have a breakout opportunity for him and that is the isotopes rockies organization first baseman um Aler- i'm gonna butcher the name but alaris montero um, oh, you got it right. Yeah, yeah, there we go. Um, batted 393 with a 451 on base percentage and a 753 slug, nine home runs, 30 RBIs in the month of May. This was a really big piece, important piece in the Nolan Arenado trade, which at the time seems like it was just a handoff of the contract itself. But Montero has shown himself to have a pretty good pedigree in the minor leagues, just hasn't been able to limit strikeouts in the majors. Montero's 24, Richie. Is this the name that you're keeping an eye on moving forward in dynasty leagues? Uh, in deeper or I know only leagues, I'm for sure keeping an eye on him. He struggled mightily so far in 2023. He was in the start of the year in the majors. Yep. He only batted 222 with one home run, but he only had 63 at bat. So that's not a great sample size. Um, but he hit 13 home runs so far in 2023. So. I mean, I think he's ready to learn at the major league level, and he's got nothing left to prove at the minor leagues. But I don't—I have no reason why, but this reminds me of Tyro Estrada and Luis Garcia, second baseman for the Washington Nationals, where they're young, they come up, and we kind of write them off for a year or two, even though they're playing in the majors and they're super young. And then they pop, look at Tyro Estrada. He popped this year, and I, I knew it was going to happen at some point. I just didn't know when and wasn't willing to put my chips in same thing with Luis Garcia I think he's on a little bit of a hot streak right now but I mean you and I both have had shares of him at some point and just not willing to invest long term on him and I think that's something I have a similar feeling with Ellie Harris Montero here um the one thing I will say is that he does play for the Colorado Rockies so gets a ballpark boost so that definitely helps but keeping my eyes on him, maybe stream him when he's got great matchups all at home or something like that, but nothing yeah. I'm too heavily invested in. I'm disappointed. I mean, he plays with the Rockies in, in years past. That's been a positive because you have opportunity with ballpark, but also in years past we've seen Brandon Rogers is a perfect example of this. Garrett Hampson was a casualty oh, of this. Brandon Rogers, God. I still can't give up on that guy. <laughs> I mean, he's coming back soon. Um, yeah, but what do you have, a labrum surgery? You yeah. know how I feel about those. Yeah, they're great. Um, also, in breaking news, Aaron Judge has been officially placed on the IL, so there goes my swing in the dark that he was going to be fine. So You the, get a warning now. <laughs> yes, I get a warning, yes. Um, bummer for Aaron Judge owners, has been playing really well this year. This is the second time he's on the IL, so you're going to have to go and try to find a replacement. I think first name that pops ahead for me is Jesus Sanchez, who hit a home run today. Could be a guy that you go out and fill uh, for Judge. We might have to Jorge touch on that. Jorge Soler, if he's still available. Or Soler, um, Brian De La Cruz, who's heavily picked up this week. Pretty much any Miami Marlins outfielder. Yep, yep, that's right, the whole <laughs> outfield. Um, but back to Montero. 
I, I'm concerned about opportunity. This this Rockies team just doesn't seem to give these guys a fair shake. I mean, we look at what the Yankees have done with Volpe so far this season, and good God, Volpe's been really bad, but he's also showcased great upside. You know, hits the ball really hard, has speed. Uh, you got to give these young kids an opportunity to play. And with the Rockies, I mean, they have Nolan Jones, who's basically a Hall of Fame AAA player at this point, also not being given an opportunity. So there's kind of this logjam of talent that they're just not bringing up. But the uh, the consequence of that is that the Rockies have been questioned on how they've operated their organization over the last few years, and the questions will just con- continue after clean this. Clean house, clean house. I will take the job. Um, <laughs> moving on, we have Oklahoma City Dodgers right-hander Matt Andresi, 2-0 with a 1.77 ERA and four starts, uh, 20 innings. He had a 194 average against in May. He is 33, so I, I think we can bypass this name, you know, just – understand he I may get a spot him. start wasn't he like a long-term starter for the angels like seven years ago yeah he had opportunities right is that the same one yeah that's the same one thinking of um okay moving on double a next name i'm excited about i don't know that we'll see him this year you have questions about some of the power when we talked about him last week and, and you kind of came around on him but this is going to be tigers third baseman uh colt keith batting uh batted 374 with a 437 on base percentage and a 670 slug. He led the league in the month of May. Uh, he also had five home runs. Hasn't shown as much power as I would like. Uh, he was a fifth round pick in the 2020 draft out of high school. He is 21 years old. We know Detroit has struggled to develop players. We know that once they get to the major leagues, power production is a problem because of the ballpark. Uh, Colt Keith, do you have anything more to say, Richie, this week that we didn't touch on last week? <sighs> No, I think I was hesitant with him coming up this year, but I don't know. I got a, I got a weird feeling he might get a call come September just to get his feet wet, but I think he's got to go to AAA first. I think he's definitely ready for AAA. I just maybe they're taking the the slow pace with him. Well, and listen, some someone in this organization's got to hit. Riley Green started turning around, broke his leg, that damn alligator. Um, you know, <laughs> Casey Myers, Matt Manning, Tarek Scooball, all injured. I think Scooball was the only one to show real promise. Uh, Spencer Torkelson has been abysmal, has shown signs, but hey, still they have Reese Olsen now. And they've got Reese Olsen. <laughs> um, so maybe right. Cold Keith can be the guy that finally comes up and provides something. Hey, uh, you do have uh, Casey Myers, though, so I like that. Hey, we'll see. You know, I, I like the guys after Tommy John. Um, speaking of Tommy John, we should probably pause before we move on to the Southern League here in the tack ball. Jacob DeGrom is undergoing Tommy John. That was not in our rundown, but it's something we should probably talk about here. I saw his interview today. He was very emotional. Uh, definitely feel for the guy more once I saw the interview because, you know, I see the news today with the LA De La Cruz news and it's like, well, shocking. This is something we've expected now for almost two years. What are you thinking of the value is at for DeGrom in the 2025 season I want to say he'll be at age 37. Yeah, I, I've been out on Jacob DeGrom ever since last year when I traded for him. And it, it's just somebody I'm not going to touch. I had a new revelation this year with hitters and pitchers that have an extensive injury track record. I'm just not willing to bet on, well, you know, if they only stay healthy, then they're going to perform like a first or second rounder. I'm just, I'm just done believing in that. You look at Byron Buxton, I was waiting. He hit the IL with a rib contusion or something like that. So not even his knee or his hip, it's his ribs. So he's on the IL now. He was the last of the outfield that are injury prone. I think Chris Bryant is on the injury list with a bruised heel or something. I'm getting off on a tangent here, but long story short is I'm staying away from these injury prone players from here on out. If you got an injury track record, I'm staying away from you. Yeah, it was funny. We had a a colleague in our league asked me about Chris Sale's injury a couple of days ago after he went on the IL, and I kind of just laughed and bypassed the conversation because it was like, he's this is Chris Sale, like yep. it's right he's into the same equation too. as as uh, Eloy Jimenez, and as you said, you know, um, Aaron Judge I think falls in there, Chris Bryant falls in there. But Luis Robert, Luis Robert yep, yep. Giancarlo Stanton. It will be interesting, though, with DeGrom, because we've talked for years now. We've said he should probably just have the surgery. 
I'm curious of everything that he's incurred from the lat to the shoulder to the elbow has all been because he's probably needed the surgery. And if we remember correctly, he did have a tear in the UCL. Did he? Yes, he did, remember? And he chose to just uh, rehab it. This was, I want to say, the season. I think, yeah, I do remember that. I want to say it was either the season before free agency or the last season with the Mets. I I would like to say the season before because we were really questioning how he'd come into that last contract season before free agency. Lo and behold, he signs the deal. Two months later, he's having Tommy John. Mm. and But it is an uninsured deal. I did get an update on that. So I don't think he's getting paid. Um, it's interesting. We, we're going to need to find out more details because the last time I looked at the deal, if he has Tommy John, it auto-clauses a fifth year of the contract, basically oh. giving Texas more time with him, but also him getting paid. So... I'm very curious to see the details come out because I only saw that about a month ago when we were looking into his first um, IL stint. But um, we will have more information for you as the season moves on. But uh, just very unfortunate nature for for Major League Baseball, for Jacob deGrom. Um, Hopefully we have some resolution and we can see a good deGrom for the final three years of that contract if it's not four years. Let us move on here. We just talked about uh, Colt Keith. We're going to be moving on to the Southern League, the Tact Ball. And Novel Marte strikes again. Very cool start to uh, start the 2023 campaign. Has caught fire. He batted 343 in the month of May with a 409 on base percentage and a 626 slugging percentage. He had seven home runs, scored 22 runs. And Richie, this is a big boy. Um, I think he's been gaining weight probably more than most people in this country. But he's looking good, looking like he's kind of... I would say from a body perspective, like probably filling himself out out from shortstop and probably going to have to be a third baseman. Are you still interested in Marte at all? Um, I want to see. So with Ellie and Matt McClain both getting called up, that obviously leaves a void for AAA. I would not be surprised if he gets called up to AAA. And I'm curious to see what he does once he moves up a level. I think he's – how old is he? I think he's a little too old. He's 21. He's still young for – for double a but i think he's ready to see what he can do at triple a and i want to see what he can do there um i'm definitely keeping an eye on it i'm not completely investing quite yet i think he still has a high strikeout rate even though he's yeah i was just gonna gonna touch on that so in april he had 19 strikeouts and 77 at bats batted 234 really concerning like that was where we were i think the industry started to really cool off on him uh, but then you go ahead and you look at his May. He exploded 343, 15 strikeouts, and 99 at bats. So in May, he cut his strikeout rate to a 15%, which is fantastic. That's pretty good, yeah. We need to see how he responds in June. Um, it could have just been a hot streak. It could have been him finally clicking in at a level. You know, we've talked a lot about Jordan Lawler at AA. Well, Jordan's a full year younger than Marte. Marte will be 22 this coming fall. So again, we. Yeah, I just. I'm, I'm one of these where I got to just wait and see. We got fooled with this, was it last year, two years ago, Vidal Brujan, when he had a similar hot yep. streak like this. And I was buying in, and you weren't believing it. And lo and behold, I was the fool, and Vidal Brujan <laughs> was just it just hot. And he had that same strikeout rate, but was not striking out that yes. one month. I think it was a June or July. He was hot. And he was hot. Yeah. And hitting a home was run. supposed to be coming. Yeah. yeah. And the power was going to develop and everything. And, <laughs> and lo and behold, look he's at in the minor Look at him leagues. now. Yep. Actually, I think he got called up recently. Oh, and Matt McClain just hit a walk-off for the Reds. Shush. Did he really? Great. I, yeah. I, changed, the, I changed the game, and Matt, go ahead. He ruins it. It was well, supposed to be Ellie's walk-off. Be, it's got to be because they're jumping around him, and they put a bubble gum bucket over his head but either way they just beat the dodgers so they just beat the best team mary ellie de la cruz day people mary ellie de la cruz day um, i wish i watched it yeah, you can watch the highlights yeah we'll watch it later anyways um but i agree with you and i and i think the big thing with the reds too is like as we've talked about some of these names um they have a royal as well so Marte probably is going to fill in at third right like I, i'm guessing mclean probably cools off or they move are they move India to the outfield? Like, uh, he's not being traded. I think the notion that Jonathan India is being traded is ridiculous. You need leadership. So, so where are you? Where are you guys playing? So you got Ellie and Matt McLean at third and short. Yep. You got India at second. You're gonna have CES probably at DH. 
do you move India to first or Marte? To I don't. First? I don't. So I think the he's a big boy. Yeah, know? I think all of these answers will be answered next year. They're going to give Votto his twenty twenty three season. They're going to allow him be, to be the leader with India and get these young kids to to really take shape. You know, be that veteran presence. I hope. I think the hope is that Vado doesn't play in 2024. You know, kind of a Miguel Cabrera situation where it's like, okay, we have to let this franchise legacy player play as long as he wants, because Vado plays in 2024. You're talking perfectly about now. CES doesn't have first base right now. CES is the DH still. Now Marte can't go from AAA to the major leagues because there's literally nowhere for him to play. And then you're talking about Arroyo. Does Arroyo continue to develop as a top-tier defensive shortstop with the high likelihood of being a number one or number two hitter in a lineup? And Votto really plugs that hole for all of this. I could see Ellie being moved off short into an outfield position because of the arm. I could see Marte being stuck in right field because he's such a good offensive player, much like Anthony Santander, where it's like, get the bat out there. We'll figure everything else out. But this really depends on Votto for me. Well, also you got Spencer Steer who's swinging a hot stick too right now. So like if he demands playing time, where are you going to put him? Well, they played, him in the outfield? they played him in the outfield today. So, Did they? Okay. Yeah. So, so that's where he's going. It sounds like he will be their Bill Hall, their super utility guy eventually. That's just going to be playing probably 140 games a year and just bouncing all over the place. Mm-hmm. And that's a huge, I mean, that's massively valuable, not for us in fantasy per se um, until we go to a daily, but like that has value. Um, also they don't have a lot of outfield prospects. Like they have a couple kids in the minors that are like, I think high a low a here. There's a scroll on their top 30 and see the first outfield there pops up. Number 12, it should be Carlos, um, Carlos George, if I'm correct. Uh, well I'm on just MLB and they're number 12th. According to MLB is Jay Allen. He's in high a. He is 20 years old. He was a 2021 uh, first compensation 30th pick overall. He's a 50-grade hit, 240 power, 60 runs, so he's a fast kid. Decent defense. Batting 111 in high A right now, so he is not performing So Carlos, at all. Carlos George is one of the next really big names after Cam Collier that I really like. Um, they haven't listed at second, second base. base, but you look at his numbers at a ball. He's batting 323, um, performing incredibly well and has a really good pedigree Four home runs, but more importantly, 15 stolen bases. He's, he's going to be a name to watch. Uh, but this is the thing, Richie, they have George and they have cam Collier, both infielders, cam Collier, fourth rated prospect in the organization, you know, top 20 pick. Um, they've got to make some moves. You know, they need to bring in some pitching. Do we see them trade for some pitching? And another question is Chase Petty, their first round draft pick in 2021, drafted out of high school. Do we see him ascend like we did AJ Smith Shaw? He's in high A right now. Only four games. He had a late start, but 16 innings, 21 strikeouts, three walks, sporting 0.56 ERA. So he's in high. He's got to go to double A, triple A, and then come up. I don't think the Reds do it. Yeah, no. I, but maybe we see Chase Petty next year. Uh, I think name to keep an eye on. Um, I think I think they're gonna. I think their next wave is the Cam Collier, Edwin Arroyo, Chase Petty wave. I think Petty, I don't think it comes till next year at the earliest. Earliest. Though. I mean, and Collier's I think not these are all twenty twenty five guys. Yeah. I mean, Arroyo's not even performing. If you look at 2022, he batted .293. Um, he had, get my trackpad to work here, 14 home runs, 27 stolen bases this season, starting off at high A, batting .228, five home runs. So the power is actually manifesting pretty well, seven stolen bases. He's just not hitting the ball very well right now, striking out a lot, about a strikeout per game. But names to keep an eye on and names that we'll talk about when we break down organizations this coming offseason. But the name for me is Carlos um, I think is it George? Am I saying that right? I don't know. Jorge. We'll go with Carlos Jorge. Did we just become ultimate Reds fans on this podcast? Yeah, I think we did. Okay, moving on here. We have Southern League Tack Ball Extravagant. Um, Porter Hodges. What a name, man. Went one and one with a one six four ERA. Struck out thirty two batters in twenty two innings. Again, Tack Ball. Let's all be mindful. Hodges is twenty two years old. He was selected out of Chicago. Um, 
by Chicago in the 13th round of the 2019 draft out of high school in Utah. What do you think, Richie? I think it's a name to keep an eye on, but the tech ball really mitigates any of the, the numbers I'm seeing. I think he just had a hot May. Uh, I really don't like him overall. He's only gone five innings once, and that was his, not his most recent, but two starts ago. Um, trying to pull up what he has overall. Of course, my thing is alone. I think he's got an over five ERA altogether for double A if you include April into May. So I think he's just hot right now. And I'm skeptical he doesn't have a crate. Like, if he had a strikeout rate that was like 12 or higher, 12K per nine or higher, then I'd be a little more interested because I'm maybe it's just me, but I'm taking about 3K per nine off. Just seeing what Andrew Abbott did going from double A AA to triple A, you saw him go from like, I think it was like 15 or 16K per nine down to like 11, 12K per nine when he went to triple A. So that's the main sample I have when I'm viewing these double eight pitchers in the southern league i'm taking about 3k per nine from what i'm seeing at the double a level and when i see that out of porter hodge i don't i don't like what i see yeah i mean i feel the same exact way i expect abbott in the big leagues to be a 9 10k per nine um just from difference in levels i think over time it can it can jump back up but i, de- I definitely agree um next two names texas league double a we have ryan bliss diamondbacks organization had an absolutely torrid May. That's why he's on the list. Shortstop, 5'6", 23 years old. Will turn 24 in December. This was a second-round pick out of Auburn. I think this is a perfect example of a super utility guy for the Diamondbacks. Probably looking at 2025 season as someone that's going to provide value. But in all reality, they just don't have a, a place for him right now. Um, seven home runs on the season, 18 stolen bases, batting 369. So a lot of talent, but again, he's 23 year old, 23 years old at Double A. So he's kind of at the height ceiling of that that level. Uh, next pitching prospect for Double A Texas League is Emmett Sheehan. We've talked about Emmett a lot in this podcast over the last month. Don't think there's much more to add. Do you have anything about Sheehan, Richie? Other than he needs to go to Triple A to see what he can do. Yep. But and Ryan Bliss, yeah, you hit everything right on the head. Uh, moving on down, we have, let me just get my scrolly scroll to work here. Texas League, scrolly double scroll. A. We talked about that. Midwest League, high A. We're moving on to high A. We have Austin Gothier. Uh, shout out, Katie. Batted 349 <laughs> and led the league on base. Uh, very, very nice month of May. Had five home runs. I really don't know anything about this kid. This is another Dodgers prospect. Uh, he was a non-drafted free agent uh, August 2021 out of Hostra University. So, just another guy that they went out and found. Um, you know, it's a typical Dodgers mentality, able to, to pull some of these kids out of absolutely thin air. Do you have anything to add? No, he doesn't even pop up on their top 30 list uh, by MLB. Um, maybe somebody who's hot, maybe somebody who needs to get moved up a level, see what they can do. But, I mean, he's 24. Just turned 24, yeah. Just turned 24. Yeah. So that's pretty much... I feel like that's old for double A when I'm looking at double A. I feel like 21, 22 is what you expect to see at double A. Um, so I think he's a little bit old for that affiliate. Maybe go to triple A where he belongs. Other than that, I got nothing. Yeah. Uh, moving on to the pitching prospect. We have the Reds, Dayton Dragons, Julian Aguirre, Aguirre, Aguirre. <laughs> Gagura? I, I can't uh, tell yeah, you. Let's give it a shot. If I would say Aguar. <laughs> Aguar. But... Uh, went 2-0 with a .41 ERA in four starts. Pretty nice numbers. Uh, 22 overall innings. Uh, Aguar is 22 years old. He was taken in the 12th round of the 2021 draft. He was a JC guy. So 22 turns 23. It looks like just turned 23. Or, yeah, a couple days ago. Happy birthday, kid. Um, pretty good, actually. Long Beach. Like it. California kid. 48 strikeouts and 44 innings. I think we need to see more numbers on this kid because as it stands right now, his current major league standings are 12 and 8 with a 3.01 ERA. Um, has only started 26 games, 150 innings. We need to see about another 50 innings before we start making a uh, on a judgment. But this is probably a name that I'm going to keep an eye on. What do you think? Yeah, especially when we're talking about these Reds that they need yeah, to be pitching. Yeah, we're going to be watching their box scores. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think he's a ways away at least. A minimum two years, but you, you never know. Somebody can assign. I'm I'm not putting it past anybody after AJ Smith Shaver went literally from high yeah. to the majors in literally a month. So I, I'm not 
I'm not passing anything by anybody at this point. Well, I think the the impressive thing for Aguar is uh, usually these JC kids, these junior college kids hit the minor leagues and, and they regress almost immediately because the junior college is just not the same kind of competition level that uh, traditional college baseball is. So it's an, it's encouraging to see him have success right off the bat. Now, this next name uh, in high A is actually a name I wanted to talk to you about at length because we've gotten a lot of helium for Ju- uh, Junior Caminero this season, but uh, we haven't gotten as much notoriety for Fernandez. And again, I'm not even going to attempt this. Yanquil. Yanquil. Oh, that's how I pronounce it. Is he Yasiel's brother, do you think? Um, I don't know. <laughs> so Yanquil Fernandez batted 385 in the month of May for the Rockies' high A affiliate, led the minor leagues in hits, uh, total bases, and he had 10 home runs. I watched him quite a bit in the month of May. Really like what I saw, at least in these like poppy skills. Uh, very toolsy player. Doesn't have as much speed as some of the other big names that are flying up the board, but big-time strikeout issues. Um, that's the big takeaway that I have that may limit his ceiling. And some of these numbers that we talked about, they actually outperform what Junior Caminero has done so far. What are your thoughts on Fernandez, Richie? I don't, I don't think anybody's going to be a junior Caminero this year. Um, I do like what I see out of this kid. He's only 20 years old. Signed out of... Cuba, Havana. Cuba. Yeah, was just, thank you for pointing that out. Um, I, I do like the skills. I want to see more out of him, but he does play for the Rockies affiliate, so we just talked earlier about how they handle their prospects and develop them. So that's what gives me caution compared to the Rays and how they develop their prospects and bring them ar- along. So that's the only pause I'll give to him. Not enough sample size for me to give a, a good judgment on him for this year. I'd like to see them reach double A before I can get a good feel on how they are as a player, unless they're absolutely demolishing high A like Junior Caminero was before he went to double A and how Jackson Churio did last year before he got called up uh, to double A. So unless they're on some sort of a tear like that, I I kind of wait and see until they reach double A. Yeah, well, and Yanquil, you know, he's a year ahead of where uh, Jackson, well, two years ahead of where Jackson was and a year ahead of where Junior was, um, maybe about six months ahead of Junior. But he actually got his strikeout numbers kind of in control. The last time I looked at him was probably a week, week and a half ago. He was sitting at about a 33% strikeout rate. He's sitting at about 20, 20% strikeout rate right now, which means he must have gotten torridly hot. Um, these are the things I want to watch for, and I think he's the perfect example, much like Junior is a guy where it's like, okay, we need to see what they're going to do in double A because uh, Fernandez, with the issues of, in strikeouts, at least in the early part of the season, is that going to be something that's taken advantage of in double A? Usually we see that rare its ugly head as these kids move up. But again, another kid I really like, Colorado Opportunity. I think we're probably talking about him probably end of next year. Uh, so in Dynasty Leagues, you are going to have to sit on him for, for quite a while. And then we have the questions of the organization. But definitely an opportunity um, for Fernandez. And I think probably in this organization, my favorite prospect, I would even vault him over Zach Veen. Do you like him over the one that's been budding lately, Sterling Thompson? Yes, I like him over Thompson um, quite a bit. I need to look up Thompson real quick and just... Thompson's actually batting better, batting 438 in high A. He's got five home runs, 21 RBIs, eight walks to eight strikeouts. I also don't like how his name is Sterling. Sorry, Sterling, but I kind of want you to have... You don't like Sterling Castro? Well, I want a G Wasn't at the end Cub there. Too? Uh, drafted 2022 Rockies supplemental pick five. I mean, yeah, kid's nice, but uh, I don't know, man. I like the power of Fernandez, but I'm also concerned that yeah, what's, yeah, he might. Thompson only gets a 45 power by MLB, but we talk about this ad nauseum with these young kids. Like, I don't like taking their power and hit grades for gospel because. They're still young. They can grow. They can develop. I, I, I mean, you're like... talking about an outfield of Thompson, Fernandez, and Veen. Like, that's going to be that's exciting. Yeah, yeah. That's, there's a lot of opportunity with, with that. And Because, I mean, let's be honest, their team is complete trash right now. Um, okay, we got to wrap this up. We just had an hour. Uh, pitcher, Giants left-hander, Carson Weisenhunt went 1-0 with a 1-6-9 ERA. Weisenhunt is 22 years old, second-round pick in the 2022 MLB draft out of East Carolina. 
Again, another name that I don't know a whole lot about. Do you have anything to add about Carson, Richie? No, I th- I want to say he doesn't throw the hardest. So uh, I'm trying to pull up. So he has 10 starts this season, 39 innings, 56, 56 strikeouts. His whip is at a .85 with a 2.08 ERA. Um, I think we have the next Sandy Koufax on our hands. Right, and he just got moved up to double A. Um, I don't know if you mentioned it. But, yeah, he gets 50 grades across the board, except for his change of 70. So oh. we got about average pitches and then a plus-plus changeup. I'm a little hesitant on those most recently because that's what Gavin Stone is. He's uh, average I was going to say Gavin Stone board. 2.0, yeah. Yeah, and I'm trying to think who else. Anyways, that's the, the one that sticks out to me. I mean, he, he's still in single A, so... I really don't like evaluating players until they reach double A. I feel like that's where you can get a good feel on where they just lighting up the the lower levels and now they are where they belong or are they going to blossom into something that's worthwhile at the major league. So if he did just get bumped up to double A, so I'm curious yeah. to see what he does, but personally I don't have much hope. I think I think we have seen him on the MLB players of the week before on one of our previous podcasts, but didn't touch too much on him. I mean, they are, they are aggressively promoting him, but the difference between Shaver is this is a 22 year old. This was a college draft pick in 2022. So just last year, it, it seems like what they're really doing is getting him to the adequate level, which is probably double Where he needs to be. Yeah. yeah and, and we're going to have to gauge him over the next month. If he continues to perform, a triple-A promotion paired with a September call-up isn't out of the question. But Well, it depends on yeah, where the Giants are and yeah. where they are with injuries, too. Yeah, but um, without the fastball dominance, I think what we're looking at here is probably a tier below Andrew Abbott. Um, I'm not totally excited about that. A name that I think could be... No, we're, we're, talking about, we're talking about some deeper leagues now. Yeah. Um, okay, let's wrap it up. We have finished the Northwest League High A. Let's drop on down to the South Atlantic League High A. Jackson Holiday, congratulations, UN Player of the Month. We have absolutely uh, roster baited to you for a while now, so not much to say there. Um, Alex Pham went 2 0 with a 154 ERA for the Orioles organization. This was a 19th round pick in the 2021 draft out of the University of San Francisco. Orioles had need pitching. We kind of alluded to that last week. Might have a kid here, but he is 23 years old at high A. We've kind of talked about that as well at nauseum. Um, not much I feel like we need to address there. What do you think? Yeah, I'm trying to just pull up his numbers in my internet. is going slow, even though I got 5G. Don't you love that? I love that. Um, as you pull that up, Richie, I'm going to keep moving on. Um, Carter Howell is going to take home the California League single A player of the month he is 24 years old i am not even going to give him the time of day for our prospect sheet here just a little bit too old for the for the level maybe a name that we can keep an eye on uh here we go yet another pitcher that's jared uh caros he is in single a for the dodgers 6 7 22 years old 40 strikeouts in 29 innings he is from manhattan beach california drafted 16th round went to ucla so someone I'm actually going to monitor. Height, like it a lot. I think this could be a bullpen arm for the Dodgers. Um, you know, he'll probably be a name that we're talking about a lot next year since these double-A kids have been dominating so heavily. Do you have anything to add? No, other than um, what I just said previously with the other guys, I want to see them once they get up to a little bit of the higher levels, then I start putting them on my radar. Yeah, and uh, last one we're going to add here is Bryce Willits. This is going to be single-A affiliate for the White Sox, 18th round, UC Santa Barbara, had a really nice May, third baseman, is 23, will turn 24 this year, so yet another guy in college that needs to be aggressively moved up. And it kind of is going to round out our list. I'm going to kind of stop us there. We have the Florida State League single-A, but I'm going to bypass these young kids. We also have yet another Reds uh, player that's going to be Hector Rodriguez, who actually is 19 years old. Uh, nine home runs, batting 302, OPS at 915. So, yet we have another Reds player, Hector uh, Rodriguez, to keep an eye on. Again, that was low A. <clears throat> um, but it's going to wrap our list for you for the month of May. 
Last note I want to make before we wrap it here is that the uh, Dominican Summer League has kicked off. Also, the Arizona Complex, uh, Florida Complex as well has kicked off. So we should have some really interesting names over the next couple months for you coming out of these rookie ball levels. And definitely excited to monitor that. Anything else you want to add today, Richie? No. Um, well, there was one other thing. It was Ethan Salas, who was yes. um, 16 for Seattle Mariners. Instead of going to one of those complex leagues, I think he went to low A. I think he had a double in his first at bat. He is a catcher, um, but just impressive that at, I think at the time, 16, I think he's 17 now. Just impressive that you go to that level. I don't normally keep an eye on players this young, but that's, I, I will give him a shout out. That's pretty young to be 16 already playing in low A. That's that's something that's not heard of too often. Yeah, and I think he's probably three, four years away. Um, I think we'll probably see a, an age 19, age 20 promotion for him. He's a big kid at 16, already filling out quite well. Um, not projecting to be you know, the next superstar talent, but I think definitely projecting to be a very good catcher. Probably ultimately going to be a top 10 catcher in the major leagues. We have to see, obviously, does he develop and does he stay behind the dish? And then the Dodgers also have De La Paula, um, similar comp to Salas in, in terms of aggressive placement. He's 18 years old, did just turn 18, 6'3", has the body type to develop into a, a very, very good player. Both of these young kids we're going to be monitoring and talking about the rest of the season. Um, De La Paula probably a little bit closer because of age, but also just as raw. So at least two, three years away for both of these players. Yep, I would agree. All right, Richie. Well, that wraps us for today. We will catch you guys next Wednesday. Thank you. Thank you.